Hi, folks, and welcome to... With your host, Ed Bondarenka. Our goal is to provide a platform for a discussion of pro life, pro Christian, and pro American constitutional principles in the light of current and historical events. America, bless God. Your American heritage, where we talk about the two things you're not supposed to religion and politics. My name is Ed Bondarenka. I'm your host, and my pronouns are. The show is produced by Derek Stone, and the silence you heard before the start of the show was not Derek's fault. That was mine. I was just a mouse click away from getting it right, and I couldn't do it. Derek is the hardest working man in radio. He's also the host of Stone Cold Sports, Sundays at noon 30. Okay. I recommend that you listen to the podcasts of previous shows of this show. You can find them at whamradio.com on the podcast tab. Scroll down, you can find all the shows. Uh, you'll want to listen to this one again today. Uh, so, you know, you can subscribe on Google Podcasts, on Spotify. You can subscribe, and that makes. That makes sense because they're all there right there for you, right with all the other uh, subscriptions you do, like uh, Eric Metaxas and the like. Okay, so uh, let's open in prayer. Father, this nation, founded on principles that are founded in your word, needs your help. We sincerely need your help. Would you please help us and deliver us from the evil that seeks to oppress us? Will you please lead us and guide us into righteousness and wisdom as a nation, as individuals? We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. It's day 136 of the coup. I wish I could stop telling you what day of the coup it is, but uh, as long as it's coup, I will. There's a pretender in the White House, and the balance of power in the Senate has been taken, and there are powers that are using all this to overthrow the Constitution and implement their dominion over us. So the goal is to enslave you and make you like it. Your job is to resist. Our job is to resist, to support each other and to push back their agenda to encourage each other and to build each other up. Our phone number is 734-822-1600. And once again, that's 734-822-1600. I got it right both times that time. Please refrain until calling a little bit later though, because I have a guest and we wanna get through some topics. And as long as I keep talking about this other stuff, it's stalling that, so I'm gonna go real quick. I want you to know it's Pride Month, okay? Very important month, it's Pride Month. I'm proud to be an evangelical Christian who trusts in Jesus and tries to do his will, rejecting destructive behavior that others seek to promote in our culture. Behavior that others seem so proud of, but I'm proud to be and I'm proud to be an American, where at least I know I'm free. And I won't forget the men who died, who gave that right to me. And I gladly stand up. 
So that's Lee Greenwood, uh, actually live. Doesn't sound the same on the recording we're all familiar with, but yeah, proud to be an American. It's Pride Month. Remember that. So I want you to know that <coughs> views and opinions of Ed Bondarenko are not necessarily those of his guests. And his guest is the David Coleman Report. So joining us today is, take a guess, is David Coleman. It's, he's here live, really here this time, and we're happy to have him. So it makes for a lot less dead air. Dave, welcome. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing today, Ed? Pretty good. So I want to get right into some of the topics that you and I were talking about, and there are quite a few of them, and uh, I hope we can do them justice. If not, we might have to have you back next week to finish off. I don't know. So it's, it's on you, Dave. It's on you. So one of the things we want to talk about is, and... I want to bring it right up front before I forget to ask you this. You are with Salt and Lake Global, but also the Great Lakes Justice Center. I said it right that time. The Great Lakes Justice League oh, Center. And as such, you guys take cases and uh, promote the rights of citizens of Michigan on a state level and actually on a national level, too, which is something else we're going to discuss in a little bit. So one you guys like to take donations for this, right? To yeah, help great, the legal yeah, costs. Sure, Great Lakes Justice Center is a five hundred one c three, you know, nonprofit. So anybody who donates to uh, our organization and to Salt Lake Global, which is our parent company or corporation, uh, it is tax deductible. So yes, and you could go to our website, greatlakesjc.org, greatlakesjc.org. And go to the home page, and there's a donate uh, spot there, and you can click and donate. So we certainly appreciate those supporting the work we're doing. And like a, a pastor friend of mine once said, you know, it's it's T H O U S A N D. Okay, so <laughs> you're filling out that check. You know, we don't want to misspelling. So um, you guys are. Actually, let's see now, there was a Supreme Court ruling. Well, not a Supreme Court ruling. The Supreme Court has decided to take up a case from the state of Mississippi regarding abortion. And I talked about this a couple weeks ago. And one of the, the wonderful things is, is that they agreed to take it up because it appears that if they take it up, the chances are enough justices on the bench thought that it had a good chance of getting ruled in our case, positively on. And so this was a, a case. Well, tell us about the case in Mississippi so you get to talk a bit. Sure, sure. Uh, it, it was a case involving regulation of abortion um, right from the moment of conception forward. And so the question here is whether or not the court would allow these kinds of regulations to be uh, in place and legal uh, at any time during the pregnancy. In other words, does viability matter anymore? Because Roe v. Wade is based on viability. And once the child is viable, restrictions are permitted. When the, the viability, but prior to viability, no, you know, no restrictions. And so that's really the issue. It goes to the heart of Roe v. Wade. The case uh, was decided against uh, the pro-life position by Mississippi. 
And so they have filed with the U.S. Supreme Court and Great Lakes Justice Center filed one of the few amicus briefs, friend of the court briefs, urging the court to take the case. I think a lot of the pundits and people who watch the court did not think they were going to accept this case because it's so directly on point with the abortion issue. And so uh, we urged them to take it along with a few other organizations. We represented a national organization of, uh, of um, doctors and uh, those who work in this field. And so we were happy to do that. And we were very uh, pleased when we saw the court take the case. So now it will be heard by the Supreme Court and we will be filing a second brief in that same case. And it's, it's a really, really important case. People need to be praying about this. This is a big case and it could lead to, uh, if not an overall you know, overturning of Roe v. Wade, it could be a serious dent in that ruling and start keep things moving in a positive direction. Now, the Mississippi case, now I'm working from memory here. I thought that they, for instance, there's a hard, there's, there's some states that wanted a heartbeat bill and there's other states that just wanted a gestational bill. And the Mississippi was a gestational timeline bill because the heartbeat, the, it might be too early to actually get through. And so this was kind of a compromise. Is, mm -hmm. Did I get that right? I believe so. Um, you know, the heartbeat bills, I think, are, are good in most states. Um, remember, you know, the heartbeat starts around week six or seven. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times uh, uh, a mother might not even be aware she's pregnant at that point yet, might be suspecting, you know, might not know it. And so those heartbeat bills um, can be very effective. Michigan, there was some discussion about, you know, pushing ahead for a heartbeat bill. But the problem here, and we actually opposed it, believe it or not, mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> at really, Great Lakes yeah. Justice Center. And yeah. the reason is because Michigan already has a constitutional prohibition from the moment of conception forward. That's our law in Michigan. We don't need a heartbeat bill in Michigan because we have a better bill. I mean, we have a better constitutional provision, which says you can't do it from the moment of conception forward. And so a heartbeat bill in Michigan would actually weaken our law. And so that's why in Michigan, I, I don't know of any current attempts to try to get a heartbeat bill in. Uh, it's just not needed here. But a lot, most states do not have what we have in Michigan in our constitution. So heartbeat bills are very good you know, piece of legislation and a good way to go in most states. Well, just now I'm asking you as a lawyer, if there was a, a heartbeat bill, just because I'm curious, if there was a heartbeat bill and there's a constitutional uh, precedent, if you want to call it that, before the heartbeat bill, well, would the constitution override the heartbeat bill? Well, it should, but we don't want there to be any confusion, <laughs> you know? Okay. Why, why have something that gives lesser protection than what the Constitution itself gives? There's no point. Gotcha. <clears throat> oh, well, that's good. Speaking of, speaking of the state Constitution, you brought something to my attention. And uh, I'd like to read something here that uh, you had sent me a link to. And that is that uh, Article 1, Section 27.2 of the Michigan Constitution states... No stem cells may be taken from a human embryo more than 14 days after cell division begins, provided, however, 
that time during which an embryo is frozen does not count against the 14 day limit. Now, you and I were talking about the uh, the jabs, the shots, I, the experimental uh, drugs that are being in, uh, injected into people uh, in the name of corona paranoia. So we know that those contain uh, strains from from past fetal stem research. Is that correct? I know the Johnson and Johnson vaccine does. Yes. I've also read that about the AstraZeneca and uh, the Pfizer. So, I'm, I'm yeah, I don't think I don't think those two have the actual stem cells as part of their vaccine, from what I understand. That there may have been research previously done that was relied upon by those, but if you understand, see the distinction there, they're not actually part of the vaccine itself. Okay, well, I do see the distinction. So darn, now I'm caught without knowing whether, whether <laughs> I'm correct or not. You know, <laughs> I hate that right in front of everybody. So, anyways, uh, how do you see that that uh, that? Um, constitutional amendment affecting the vaccine? Well, I don't know that it affects the vaccine itself that much. The issue is, um, I mean, they're already done and they use stem cells that were already within these parameters, the 14 days. So I don't think that's the issue. The issue here is there has now been a change in the guidelines. This organization that sets these guidelines is called the International Society on stem cell research, nice short name, right? The (laughs) ISSCR. But this international society is a worldwide organization. I I think there's maybe one person from the United States involved in this. It's mostly other countries, excuse me, but they set the guidelines for stem cell research. And remember back uh, 15, 20 years ago when George Bush was in office and he did that big speech about stem cell research, remember? and how we're limiting it here and it can only be 14 days. You can't use stem cells from an aborted fetus or anything else that was older than 14 days. And so that has been the standard and actually that's been the standard for 40 years. But uh, President Bush adopted that. Well, Michigan put it, we put it right in our constitution, this 14 day thing. So the reason this is important now is just last week, this international society eliminated the 14-day restriction. And now you can take stem cells under their guidelines for medical research and imagine the different types of medical research and you know mm-hmm. the, the types of Frankenstein things that can be done from stem cells at any point during gestation right up to the day before a child is born. And so it's totally getting rid of this restriction, the 14-day limit. And, and says doctors can evaluate and and medical uh, experiments and the people involved, the scientists can evaluate on a case-by-case basis whether or not they should take stem cells beyond 14 days. So the reason I was pointing it out to you, bringing it up, is Michigan has a constitutional prohibition. So it really doesn't matter what some international society does. If, If there's a state university here or a lab in Michigan and they start using stem cells that are older than 14 days, they're violating Michigan's constitution. And so that's why we put out a press release on this and the main media pretty much ignored it. But we wanna get the word out there to people that if you hear about that type of experimentation going on 
and these uh, labs using older stem cells and doing these things in violation of our constitution, please let us know. Contact us because we'll file a lawsuit to defend our constitution and to stop it. So at least in Michigan, these labs and these uh, research universities still cannot use stem cells older than 14 days uh, from fetuses. So once again, if somebody uh, found a case like this, they should contact you at Great Lakes. Right, right. We have a a contact at greatlakesjc.org. You can email us, whatever the issue is. You know, we we cover pro-life issues, constitutional issues, free speech, freedom of religion, Second Amendment, all kinds of uh, constitutional issues. And uh, obviously we can't take on every case that people contact us because we don't have the resources to do that. So we have to pick and choose uh, which cases. But if you contact us, if you've got a situation that you think your constitutional rights are being violated, let us know. We'll take a look at it and uh, see if it's something we can help you with. That's good. That's good. By the way, uh, Carl Mankey, did you take that on as Common Law, or did you take that on as that family? one? Yeah, that one we took on under our law firm, Common Legal Group, because there are criminal charges and other things directly with his business. And while there were some constitutional issues, I mean, criminal charge is a criminal charge, so it's a little different. It wasn't totally within the parameters of what we do with Great Lakes, so we took that on through Common Legal Group. Through our through our okay. regular law firm, yeah. And how is that doing? It's doing great. We had probably five different ways that the state attacked Carl, uh, different lawsuits from criminal things to civil suits to you name it. And we've won four out of the five, and pretty much everybody thinks the case is over, but it's not completely over. The uh, DHHS fined him nine thousand dollars. Um, for some technical violations of the Barber Code. And one of them was, one of the fines is $3,000 for participating in the Capitol Hair, uh, hair protest. Remember Operation Haircut mm-hmm. at the Capitol last year? And Carl was there with many other barbers and stylists, and they were you know protesting Governor Whitmer's executive orders. It turns out they were right. The Supreme Court agreed with them and threw them all out. But, of course, back in May of last year, nobody knew that. And they were protesting and cutting hair for free on the Capitol lawn. So they fined him $3,000 for exercising his First Amendment rights of free speech to protest an illegal, unconstitutional law that the Supreme Court has ruled it was un- illegal. So they want to find. So the state, Governor Whitmer, still wants to fine him $3,000, even though he was right, and protesting what she was doing. Uh, their vindictiveness against him is really... It's almost breathtaking sometimes. So we have a few other things. So we're still challenging that. We're on appeal to the uh, circuit court now in Shiawassee County. Judge Stewart up there will be hearing the first appeal. And then depending on what happens there, it could go up again all the way to the Michigan Supreme Court. We'll see what happens. But that's what we're down to with Carl is fighting over these $9,000 in fines. Uh, But all of this time, he never once closed. He's been open the whole time and has been cutting hair and exercising his constitutional rights. So it's been a real honor and privilege to represent him. It's, it's been a great case to be involved in. Excellent, thank you. So speaking of the vindictiveness of Governor Whitmer, um, it was in the news recently that the state legislature passed a bill that uh, would forbid uh, 
vaccination passports in this state. And she vetoed it saying basically there's no need for that because we have no plans to do that, which reminds me of like the state, the Supreme Court turning down cases because, oh, well, it's moot. The state changed its mind, isn't doing that. So it, it, it's kind of sad that, you know, they couldn't do an override on that. But that brings up to me the, the notion that employers, it seems the federal government has said two different things that really, really surprised me. One is that um, employees can insist on you getting the vaccine. Given that I've read so much that said, no, they can't because it's an experimental vaccine. It's not really FDA approved. It's just FDA allowed for emergency measures. And then the flip side of that is there's an OSHA ruling that says if they do make you take it and you have adverse effect, uh, uh, effects that you are, they are responsible for making you have these adverse effects. What do you, what do you know about the first that the, that they can make you do this? And yeah, well, and let me just comment on the latter first. I mean, obviously if these businesses realize the full extent of their liability, if they make somebody take the, the vaccine and then they have an adverse consequence, they're on the hook for it. Any responsible, smart, uh, awake business person will say, "Well, then I'm not doing that because I'm not going to take on that kind of liability." So you think you would think that would be the end of it, but unfortunately, in today's woke culture, cancel culture that we have right now, some of these people want a virtue signal that I guess they don't care about the liability. They don't care about the, the fact they might get sued by somebody like us on behalf of some clients because we'll bring those lawsuits in a heartbeat. Um, but back to your first question, can private businesses require you know, vaccinations or we're not going to serve you unless you can show us you've been vaccinated? So they're not making you get the vaccine, but you can't come in you know, to our place of business unless you're vaccinated. And it kind of is a corollary to that, or unless you're wearing a mask, you know, that if you're not vaccinated, you better wear a mask or we're not going to serve you. Uh, I got calls this week from a couple different people going to doctor's offices. And of course, all the mask mandates are off now as of June 1st. And yet there are still a lot of medical facilities and doctor's offices requiring people to wear masks. I know. And uh, this lady went in and she, one lady, and I talked to a couple people, but she got arrested for trespassing because she shouldn't, she wouldn't leave. Okay. And so I want to talk about that for a minute because people, there's a real confusion here from people when they talk about their constitutional rights. I have a constitutional right. You can't make me wear a mask, you know, that sort of thing. You know, people need to understand everybody has constitutional rights, but the issue of fighting over them or whether or not you can be, you know, mandated to do something or not do something it all depends on who's doing it to you. You know, the Constitution doesn't forbid a private business from requiring you to wear a mask. The Constitution, or to get a vaccine, or to do anything that allegedly violates a constitutional right. The Constitution says the government can't make you do those things. Why do you think Governor Whitmer and all these other state governors and people around the country are backing off and not doing it? Because they know they'll lose the lawsuits. If they try to enforce the vaccine or enforce these things over time, they know they're going to lose. So what do they do? 
they put pressure on it and they come into and they get make deals with big business and with big tech and all these things, you know, and the, the things they're doing these days. And they get them to do it for the government because now it's not the government making you do something. It's the private business. So there's a big difference if government makes you do something that violates your constitutional rights. Then you have arguments, okay? But okay. I, I will talk in a minute about private business and what the difference there is. Hold that thought, folks. Come back after the break. I understand the music's playing, and we will continue the discussion. Thank you. We were made to be courageous. We were made to lead the way. We could be the generation. It finally breaks the chains We were made to be courageous We were made to be courageous We were warriors on the front lines Standing unafraid Well, welcome back, folks, to Your American Heritage uh, with this uh, this particular episode of the David Coleman Report. who's joining here to talk talk to us about Great Lakes Justice Center, what they're doing lately, and uh, legal issues facing citizens in this state and beyond. And so uh, one thing we were talking about was going to a business and what they can tell you you need to do or not do when you walk in the door. And uh, one thing I was curious about, and I mentioned to Dave during the break was, a business can not refuse service to you based on the color of your skin, but they can seem to discriminate against you based on the color of your mask or even whether you're wearing a mask or the style of mask or whether it's up over your nose instead of just up over your mouth. You know, uh, it's just, I don't know, to me, that seems like wrong, but Dave will set me straight. Dave? <laughs> yeah, as I was saying before the break, you know, there's a big difference between government action and the government telling you you can or can't do something or you have to do something. And then you have your constitutional arguments that you can raise. Private business, as long as they're not operating, you know, as an arm of the state, and that's a whole other issue to get in the weeds on. But um, most private businesses are private. They're not operating on behalf of the government. So the constitutional issues just don't bring, don't rear their heads. Now, that doesn't mean that a business is free to do whatever it wants to do no matter what because there are laws and other things in place besides the constitution so for example could the legislature pass a law that says businesses cannot require people to wear masks in their business in order to get service yes they could they could pass a law like that and that would stop the businesses from doing it same with the vaccines and the vaccine passport issue state law can stop it free market can stop it i mean you know, mm -hmm. if you want to start picketing businesses that are requiring people to wear masks, you want to tell all your friends, organize those people to not go to those stores or those establishments because they're putting in these ridiculous requirements, that's up to you. But you got to understand that, you know, unless there's some kind of state law or if you're an employee, if, for example, if you're an employee of a business and they're going to mandate you to wear a mask or to get the vaccine, well, there are a number of things there. Maybe you have an underlying medical condition. You could have the ADA involved. 
that sort of thing. But even there, the ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act, does not apply across the board to every business. It applies to businesses with 15 or more employees. There are many, many thousands of small businesses that have less than 15 employees. So the ADA does not apply to them. Uh, I've heard people say, well, HIPAA protects me. They can't make me produce a card or whatever. That's a misunderstanding of HIPAA. HIPAA means certain entities that obtain your medical information and have it, like doctor's offices, government offices, things like that. Uh, whoever has your medical private information cannot divulge it to anybody else. They can't give it to anybody else, <laughs> you know, without your permission. So what's that got to do with somebody asking you to show your, your you see the difference? I mean, it, it, HIPAA mm -hmm. has nothing to do with that. Um, but you might, if you're an employee, maybe you have an employment contract. Maybe you have an employee handbook that might have some protections in there. Uh, maybe the uh, employer made some statements that could be construed to be a contract. You might have those kinds of issues that might give you some protection. You also have, of course, the discrimination laws under Michigan law. It's the Elliot Larson, you know, civil rights law, which says you can't discriminate on the basis of race, religion, creed, you know, all these things. And so if they, if you, you fall into one of those categories, like we're only going to say Asians have to wear masks and nobody else has to wear a mask. I mean, something, it's a silly example. But you see the difference. That would be discrimination. They can't get away with that. But if they do it across the board and they're doing it even-handedly and they're not violating any of these laws or underlying conditions, if you have a medical condition, they can do it. Okay? And so this lady that was mentioning earlier that was at the doctor office uh, up, up north here in Michigan uh, she ended up getting arrested, you know, because she would not leave. And so you got to understand when you go into these places, it's a private business that, that happened to be a medical facility. And then they tell you to leave because you won't put on a mask. It's a private business. They can tell you to leave. You have to leave. If you don't leave, it's a trespass. And the lady said, well, but I have my constitutional right not to wear a mask. I said, really? What part of the Constitution says that? that you don't have to wear a mask, okay? And besides that, and she says, well, my intent was that I didn't want to wear a mask, you know, because I didn't need to because the restrictions are gone. I go, well, wait a minute. Were you told not to leave and or, or to leave the premises? And she said, yeah. And I said, well, did you leave? She said, no. I said, well, did you intend not to leave? <laughs> you know, you intended <laughs> to stay there, right? Yes. I said, there you go. That's a trespass, you know? So... You got to be careful if you're in any of those situations or you're in a private business and they tell you to go, either go or be prepared to get arrested and, and you could very well be convicted for trespassing. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying yeah. that the business should act that way. But Let me ask you, you did mention the ADA and yeah. 15 people. So does I'd just like you to clarify that. Yeah. So if, yeah, if the I ADA, have, go ahead. It only applies to businesses, employers, that employ 15 or more people. So if I go into a business and I say I can't wear a mask because of, of you know, uh, respiratory issues, right. uh -huh. religious beliefs, whatever, and, yeah. and they have 15 or more employees there, are you saying then it comes into play? or Yeah, the ADA could come into play and could provide some protections because they have to do what's called a reasonable accommodation of your underlying medical condition and things like that. 
So yeah, I mean, you might have some protection under the ADA. So I'm not saying you don't have potential ways to fight back against private businesses that are doing this, but it's not based on constitutional rights. People need to understand that. There's a big difference between government action and private action, and people need to have that clear in their mind when they're talking okay. on these issues. Having said that, then I'd like to open the phone line, 734-822-1600. If there's questions you need to ask Attorney David Coleman, Salt and Light uh, Global and of uh, Great Lakes Justice Center, please feel free to call. And uh, we have Joe from uh, Wyandotte on the phone right now. And uh, he has a comment. Unfortunately, he's going to back up a little about what we were talking about. That's fine. But before we have Joe on, we were talking about masks and we were talking about vaccinations and COVID-related items. And I just like to be the first to say this on radio. Fauci did not kill himself. Okay, there you go. So, Joe, Joe, welcome to the show. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Uh, yeah, I wanted to kind of go back to where you began the program and get both of your reactions to kind of my reaction to you. First, Dave, thank you for saying about the heartbeat bill because I got all kinds of grief from uh, Sadly, uneducated fellow pro-lifers who were caught up in the emotional hysterics of let's do what they did just because they did it, even though it would weaken the life stance here in Michigan. We we have to be logic in reason and not just do something for the sake of doing something if it'll backfire. And what you said, Ed, about there's a chance at a positive outcome or ruling. I, I don't want a positive ruling. I don't want a negative ruling. I want an honest and constitutional ruling for a doggone change regarding right to life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, the 14th Amendment, and science that the Democrats love to proclaim they are the party of when they continually deny the science that a human at conception is human. It doesn't start off as an amoeba, evolve to a fish, and then a chimp, then a Neanderthal, and then gets born as a civilized human. It is a human from conception, period. It is not arguable otherwise. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate that. And Dave, thanks for vindicating Joe. We both appreciate you vindicating Joe. (laughs) (laughs) Glad to. Thanks, Joe. Anything else? I think Joe might have left us there. Okay, well, folks, if you have a comment or question, and uh, it's brief, cogent, to the point, 734-822-1600. We're willing to entertain uh, your, your questions. So we were talking about along these lines uh, and some of uh, well, for instance, I opened up, I like to open up with my personal pronouns are, you know, me, mine, 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 or thee and thou, because I'm a King James sort of guy, you know, and uh, it's really not that funny because people are ending up in court over refusing to, well, you know, accommodate somebody's psych. Right. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, Ed, fortunately, we, we fortunately we got a recent ruling out of our Sixth Circuit here, which covers Michigan, on that yeah. very issue, on the pronouns. It was Gwinnett College. 
and a professor there refused to call a, a male student she or her or that sort of thing because that student believed he was a female now and he refused to do that offered to call him by his last name or other alternatives you know tried to be reasonable and rational about it and of course the student complained and the school then took action against the professor and was threatening to fire him he sued and the sixth circuit court of appeals upheld the professor and said you cannot force people to use pronouns that you know in in this setting they they specifically ruled in favor of the professor now that very well might go up to the u.s supreme court we'll see but right now we have a sixth circuit case covering michigan which says you cannot be forced to do that and like i always i always like to say on this issue i you know government cannot force me to lie government cannot force me to lie and if a man looks at me and says i'm a woman today call me she or her you are asking me to lie and i refuse to participate in that i wrote a thing i do these saturday morning musing things on facebook last week about the pretense you know don't accept the language of the pretense and it comes from a movie the night i won't get into all that but it was uh it was really profound that here in this mainstream movie that they were so right on that issue about not accepting what somebody else says because then you're going to have to pass it on to those around you at the same time jordan peterson always says you hear him say this to make, if you force me to lie, you are warping my soul. I can't think of any better way to put that. Mm -hmm. You know, government does not have the power or the authority to force me to lie. And I'm waiting right now. I'm, I'm sure I'm going to be in court sometime. And we've been talking about this. We have our strategies in place and what we're going to do. And some judge is going to order me to refer to somebody by their preferred pronouns. And I am not going to do it. And I expect to be found in contempt of court and go to jail. So you'll probably be hearing about it at some point, you know. If a judge tries to order me to lie, I'm not going to do it. And I know a lot of other lawyers out, out there are not going to do it. And I guess we'll see. And I'll take it up and I'll sue. I'll sue that judge and I'll go after him. You cannot, the government cannot force you to lie. And if they ever get that power, we are no longer free, uh, free people. Uh, heaven help us all, you know. We're going to be going underground. We're going to be the underground church. We're going to be oh. underground in a lot of ways, economy and everything else at that point. If the government can make you lie, it's over. All bets are off. You said something that I think is profound, and I don't even know if you know you said it. I doubt you it. Said, <laughs> <laughs> you said, and I am prepared to go to jail. Yeah. And this is something that I've been talking about for a while once or twice on this show on facebook and with friends and i want to encourage people to be prepared it's it's very important because things are going to happen like i was joking that at what level i was joking with uh my pastor and a few other guys you know like at what level do i say no mm -hmm. okay so suppose Another executive edict comes down and says, you must wear a mask. 
And I say, yeah, the heck with that. I'm, I'm not wearing a mask. And I faced that last year standing in line to get an ice cream cone. I was the only person without a mask. And, I, and I'm getting looked at. And the owner knows me. And he's, you know, he's kind of accommodating me as everybody else makes way while I go to the window and get my mask or, you know, or get my ice cream cone. But the, the fact of the matter is, is that you've got to be prepared for what you're going to do. I was thinking, how am I going to react if a cop comes up to me and tries to force me to wear a mask. He has not, he doesn't have that right. Okay, so is that the hill I die on? You know, Sean Todd says, is that the hill you want to die on? You know, the mask. And so the next thing is, okay, so uh, there's a red red flag law and they come to my door and demand my guns. But to me, that's unconstitutional. And I think the Supreme Court's gonna rule that soon too. At what point do we give up our guns? Or say no, this is the hill I die on, and it could literally be die on. And I'm not trying. I'm not trying to put you in an awkward position. Remember, the views and opinions of Ed Bondarenko are not necessarily those of his guests. <laughs> well, no, I think that's a great topic you bring up, and that could be a whole topic for another hour, Ed. Really, and that's the whole issue of civil disobedience, and when is it appropriate and when is it not? Um, like you say, there's a big difference in my mind between somebody saying wear a mask versus you have to lie. I mean, you know, I, I think those are two differing levels, but everybody has their opinion. On, like you say, which hill are you gonna choose to die on? And uh, remember the apostles in, in Acts made it pretty clear, you know, when they were ordered to no longer preach in Jesus name, what did they do? They say, hey, we're gonna obey God rather than you. And mm -hmm. they disobeyed the civil magistrate and they continued to preach, you know, a clear free speech issue. And the, you know, but right there, that's pretty clear, isn't it? You yes. know, don't preach in Jesus' name or we're going to put you in jail. Well, okay, that's an easy one, I think, for most Christians. Say, no, I'm not going to comply with that. I'm going to witness. I'm going to talk to my neighbors. I'm going to do whatever I think is appropriate. But now, okay, compare that to a mask, wearing a mask. Is that the same thing as saying don't preach in Jesus' name? You know, obviously it's not. <laughs> so, so that's why I say that could be a whole nother show, Ed, talking about civil disobedience and when, where do you draw that line? That's that's a tough. I'm just, one. I'm just suggesting that people mull that over in their head and figure it out before they get caught by surprise. And right. you mentioned this sixth district court and JB from Lodi. We're going to get to you in a second, I promise you. But I just want to clear this up. That is not the case in Leesburg, Virginia, where no. the teacher lost his job, and that has yet to be settled, right? Right. No, this is in, it was a Kentucky case. The Sixth Circuit is Michigan, Ohio, I think Indiana, Kentucky. I don't remember all the states. It's like five or six states that are in the Sixth Circuit federal court system. Right. So our Sixth Circuit ruled, the courts down in Cincinnati, Ohio, they ruled, as we talked about earlier, that you cannot be forced to use the pronouns of, of somebody else just because they want to use it. Yes. Okay. Well, that's that's good. All right. And um, oh, I, I'd like to also say that the uh, the state is proposing that, and it's a proposal right now, but the childcare facilities have to cater to the youth they are watching as to what color pajamas they get, I guess, or what they're called. So that's another. That's that hasn't come up yet. It probably will. And you'll probably be the one to see it in court. So let's ask JB from Lodi before we run out of time here what, what he wanted to say. JB? Yes, sir. Uh, I'd like Dave's opinion on a situation that I've recently been involved in. 
purchasing a firearm. Um, I have some criminal history. I've got all the right uh, credentials from the federal department. I can purchase. I have a UPIN number. But when I fill out the form for a background check on question two, where it says, have you, uh, do you have a felony? I have to put yes to be truthful. But mm-hmm. when they see me put yes, they say they cannot complete the transaction because yeah, I did not put no. So um, they're wanting me to kind of lie on that, the answer to that, to make it happen. What's your take on that, Dave? Well, you definitely don't want to lie on a federal form because that's a federal offense. And oh, they'll come after you. They'll come after you and prosecute you for that. So you don't no, want to they, do that. No, they won't. Hunter Biden is scot-free. There's precedent. <laughs> Unless you're hi- Hunter Biden. Is your name Hunter Biden? No? Uh, okay. Well, then don't lie on not. the form. <laughs> so if you have some exception or something, I, I'll admit, I don't know all the details of what you're talking about. If you wanted to contact us, I could look into it further for you. You can go to our website, like I say, greatlakesjc.org, contact that, and we'll take a look at it for you. But definitely do not lie on those forms. Uh, JB. You know, they're not going to yeah. treat well, you that, like they that's did. That's what I told Biden. them at the gun store, but they, they then said, we will not sell you the firearm because you did not put no. Wait, JB, let me ask you this. Are you a convicted felon? Yes. Okay. Well, then the law says convicted felons. And I'm, trust me, I am opposed to this. Uh, I am totally opposed to the absence of restoration of rights. Don't, don't make me think I'm against you. I'm totally for you. But I think the law is pretty clear that in this, in, in this country, that convicted felons cannot own firearms. So I'm sorry. Well, well I have the blessing of the uh, uh, ATF with a UPIN number, they did all, I answered all their questions, did all their uh, background checks and everything, and they gave me permission to purchase. Well, okay. then I would show that to the gun store and ask them mm-hmm. to follow up with ATF or whatever. If there's a, that's news to me, I'll, I'll say, I, I've not heard that okay. before. Okay, well, glad, I just I'm thought I'd throw that, that out yeah. because it, it is certainly a sticky situation. Right, right. Okay. okay. Well, thanks, JB, for calling. We appreciate that. I hope I hope we were able to help you a little bit. Anyhow, uh, Derek's on the phone, so I don't want to close out yet unless we're getting a phone call. And so, <laughs> whoever it is, put him on, Derek. Hi, who are we talking to? Yeah, yeah, this is Tom. Um, yeah, on that uh, federal form, that forty-four seventy-three. Uh, there's probably something in the regulations that says if you've been, if a felony's been expunged, you put on there that you don't have a felony. Um, I know, uh, and it also that comes with uh, I don't know about two or three pages of instructions, and you can uh, go to that line, and there's probably uh, an, in the, right in the instructions that says uh, yeah if you, if it's been expunged, you know you put no. Well, yeah, okay. I would agree with that. If if a felony's been expunged, then you could say you're not convicted because it's expunged; it's gone. So I would agree with that. Yeah, I I mean that's Thanks, all I Tom. caught off of what you were talking about, and uh, I just wanted to add that. So, Thanks. That's great. Okay. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. 
Hey, Dave, you know, one thing that strikes me about this teacher, the one in Virginia, we got about a minute left. So the yeah. teacher in Virginia who was, you know, going to lose his job or lost his job because of not using the right pronouns. I thought these teachers union had rubber rooms for all their all their people to go to who were, you know. Yeah. You know, the, the, uh, the, yeah. Uh, unless, of course, you're a conservative Christian, then they. Yeah, they exactly. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, folks. The music started. You've been with us on Your American Heritage with David Coleman. Join us again next week and get the podcast of this because there's too much to have digested just hearing it one time. God bless you and have a great week. Stay tuned for a moment of clarity.